0: The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
1: So before we start the show today, I just want you all to know there are spoilers for Wolfenstein The New Colossus. Just the intro, but there are spoilers and a pretty big content warning for all kinds of Nazi behavior that is uh, not great. So that's just to start out. Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus is not fucking around. The intro to the game establishes the tone for a game that goes in hard against Nazis and any fascist, racist, ignorant attitudes that paved the way for the movement in the first place. We have flashbacks to protagonist BJ Blazkowicz's troubled childhood with his Jewish mother and deeply racist, anti-semitic, homophobic, and abusive father. We see Frau Engel, she of the New Order fame, execute a beloved character in front of our eyes while berating her own daughter, an officer, for being fat and queer. And then we take command of a wheelchair-bound BJ who never lets a disability keep him from kicking Nazi ass really hard. It is a hell of a statement. And I am Danielle Riendo, and this is Waypoint Radio, episode 107. It's Friday, 10:27, 2017 and I am, of course, joined by Austin Walker.
2: I think it's, I think it's 108 or 106. Fridays are evens. Fridays are oh, evens. No. Mondays are odds. You know
1: what? Then it's probably 108, right? Look, I, you know it look, could be I'm, I'm is looking. it 106 i'm sorry i may it have
2: might be 106 i'm may awesome have screwed walker up. that's true but that's
1: true. he's awesome walker you know i was trying to go in hard Throw on that intro off. and then i i threw off the number i'm sorry i'm not very precise 108 it's 108 108 it's 108 do you want to do this all again no do you want to do this again no <laughs> this is <laughs> okay.
2: this is endearing
1: this is okay
3: you should change it to 109 Really. Or 110. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there sure if come. updating it to today's podcast helps anyone. Yeah,
2: <laughs> well, yeah. the hope is I'll leave it at today's, and when Danielle updates us for next Friday's show, it'll uh-huh. go to 110. Okay. Yeah. yeah we'll I'm just we'll making try that. I'm, mm, damn, <laughs> I, okay. I've edited this.
1: <laughs> now it's better, and I'm also joined, of course, by Mr. Patrick Klepek.
3: I mean, ugh. What's up? What's wrong, Patrick?
1: <laughs> you okay, Patrick?
3: No, no, I'm the opposite of okay. At three in the morning last night, my dog, uh, like uh, many nights, just you know said I gotta go to the bathroom. She's an older lady, and yep. her bladder just you know doesn't work the way it used to, and she doesn't always make it all the way through the night. But she's kind enough to get up and pace around until one of us gets up and lets her out. And so I did, and I let her out back. And she went and did her business. It was a real long urination. She clearly had a lot <laughs> backed up. And I felt bad. And I was like, all right, well, sure. that's, that we, you're, you're taken care of. She's like, like clockwork. She goes out. I sit in my office. Uh, she comes back in. Uh, and this time, instead, she darted off. And there, there are really, well, there are three things that can happen in that scenario. Yeah. Um, yeah. In order of awful things that can happen out in the suburbs where I am, one, it can be a coyote, which oh. does happen. They do come uh, out through. Uh, so there's a lot of like forest preserves, uh, uh, and, like na- nature preserves near where we're at. So uh, that would be bad. My dog would lose a fight with a coyote. That would be that <laughs> yeah. so So that's like first thing in your head is like, "Fuck, is that one of those coyotes that sometimes shows up?" Right. Uh, three. We'll just we'll skip two. Because two is what happened. Three is it's a squirrel. Like, oh, like, go chase the squirrel. Like, I don't know what the squirrel's doing out at three in the morning, but yeah, right. I, I don't know. And then two is a skunk. Oh. Uh, and <sighs> the dog, the, the skunk is is problematic for a lot of reasons. Because if you go after the skunk, you put yourself potentially in harm's way. Oh well, um, yeah,
2: absolutely. You have like, to give the sunk a wide berth.
3: I'll go fight that coyote. Like I'll go kick a coyote. Like I'm 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 <laughs> have ready you to kick the coyote? No, but I'm saying I would. Like I'm If it like if it threatened your dog. Yeah, if it threatened my yeah, dog yeah, yeah. or if it like I had my it. had my dog in its its mouth, like I'm gonna go kick yeah. that coyote. Like Yeah yeah. Fair. It's on. Um Squirrel, like, psh, squirrel, you better run. Like that's that's your uh, that's your own. You're in a, it's outside its nature, you're on your own. Like I'm I don't think my dog can catch you. It's pretty slow, but, you know, that's between you and that's just nature doing its thing. And two is nature doing its thing as well, but I don't want to get involved in nature doing its thing. So I saw the dog run. I, I I ran after to try and get a sense, like, I just recently, as of this morning, purchased some floodlights to install in <laughs> my backyard, <laughs> which I do not have, uh, and immediately saw my dog, like, turn the other way and run. I was like, Fuck. It's number two. It's
1: number two. Oh number two. no!
3: And all I could hope was that the 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 skunk had scared my dog. You know, like kind of like like hissed at it, which some, the skunks will do prior to actually spraying, um, and uh, and hope that we we both got away, uh, got into the house. A me that my dog starts like. Like clearly something is like bothering its mouth. It's like trying to puke and it's causing issues. And all of a sudden I hear I just like it hits me like a fucking pile of bricks. It's just like the stench, like the smell. My dog goes chasing up the stairs, (sighs) bursting into our bedroom, jumping onto the bed, and quickly my wife is like, "What the fuck is going on?" I was like, "Ah, we got hit by a skunk," (laughs) and like uh, not I didn't realize I. I panicked. I should have grabbed the dog, not allowed it to Uh go on the bed because then quickly the skunk spray infected, like, all of our bedding. I discovered this morning that was, like, on the mattress. So I'm, like, rubbing stuff on the mattress, hoping that, like, this didn't, this is not turning into, like, a several thousand dollar, uh, uh, error. Um, it's, like, my wife is grabbing the dog, locking it in the shower, uh, looking up the, the concoction you're supposed to use to, uh, to clean them, which is not tomato juice. I feel like maybe we've gone over this in the past on Wait. a previous podcast. Tomato juice is a myth. The only thing that tomato juice does is overpower the smell oh. of... So, so it like smell
2: the, like tomato instead of smelling like skunk. Which is preferable.
3: That's, That's preferable.
2: <laughs> oh, it smells is, okay.
3: It is so... Prefer- I So I've had a skunk uh, interaction with my dog before, but we ran away. <laughs> a skunk and, interaction. It's, yeah. It, it's, it's There's, <laughs> a, there's, I, a, there's, a, there's a scale of skunk interactions. And, and that one... Uh, uh, we got sprayed, but it wasn't really that bad. And I now, I thought it was bad, but I now know it wasn't bad oh. because in this case, like, I am borderline, like, vomiting all over my house. Like, the st- oh. I, it is indescribable how per, and you can't get the smell away. Like, it, you, the moment you've, like, ah, I've recovered. Like, no, it's just, like, in your, like, I think what happened to me was that I didn't get sprayed oh. because I didn't go anywhere near the skunk, but I was just, like, within, like, the area of effect spell that oh. the skunk cast and I like I just breathed it in like so. What ended up happening to me was just like my mouth was just full of the skunk stuff, oh, and uh, it's bad. God. It is it is uh, it is hard to impress upon people how bad it is, and unless you've gone through it, don't go through it. Don't
2: do it. Don't go uh, out of your way. You don't. You don't think. No. No.
3: <laughs> if there was a way mm-hmm. to briefly experience it and then turn it off, I would encourage. Like there's a lot of things in life that are bad. That if I could experience them for like five seconds, like and then just like back off. I would, but it is not worth experiencing until we've invented the technology to experience uh, uh, maybe VR with smell of vision can somehow. Total recall
1: <laughs> you know, we need a total recall machine, I think.
3: It's bad. Really, I yeah. now I don't know if like when I smell the skunk stuff, is that because well it's just on parts of me and I and I it's gonna take a couple of days before like all kind of like works its way out. Or is it on something in the house? Or is it I just have, like, skunk PTSD and I just think I smell, oh. like, fucking skunk stuff everywhere? I don't know. It's bad. How, how I'm in a Jessica bad How is Jessica
1: taking it? Is she, is she okay?
3: Yeah, she's sleeping. We cleaned her ass and then she went underneath <laughs> a blanket and moved on like nothing fucking happened. The rest of us, unfortunately, have to deal with the consequences. Well,
2: this. I mean, dogs already have such strong senses of smell. Uh. My guess is, like, it's all Pixel's already smelling all sorts of shit anyway.
3: Yeah, I don't even know if it was that bad. I think it's just that it got in her mouth, which is bad because it got in my That's, mouth too. That's yeah,
2: not yeah.
3: good. Not good. Yeah, no. I, I, bad. Fortunately, I gotta say. fortunately, I'm still married. That's really like the the, the takeaway from this is that my wife woke up. She helped us. She she got herself into the shit. I mean, like she had, I I was off cleaning myself and trying not to vomit everywhere, and she went and took our dog. <sighs> looked calmly looked up online what you're supposed to get together, which. For people who are curious, is like uh, a mixture of hydrogen peroxide and baking soda and dish soap is basically. Oh, that makes um, sense, actually. um, Oh yeah, uh,
2: those are actual cleaning things. Yeah, Yeah.
3: and and they're not gonna like be irritants, and they're not gonna uh, you know mess with your. uh, It works both on your clothes and works on uh, your uh, uh, your animal uh, that uh, gets uh, hit. Uh, Some uh, mixtures actually do involve tomato juice, but the tomato juice is not there because it's a. Cleaning, it's just being used because it's like a not particularly awful, overpowering smell, smell right. that can then right. replace um, the, the the skunk smell. But the oh. like the uh, um, uh, the baking soda and uh, hydrogen peroxide are used to actually get rid of like the the whatever gel or whatever it is that like is causing the the smell. So let's see.
2: Oh. <laughs> so oh, as far God. as intros oh. go, I feel like this That's podcast a ba- yeah. intro has yep. been uh, informative. Yes. It's been educational. It's uh-huh. been dramatic. Very was, much so. There was conflict. There was action. Uh, there was a twist. The twist was tomato juice doesn't make you doesn't make it better. It just hides
1: <laughs> the smell. <laughs> yeah, I was I was actually going to say, Austin. It sounds like maybe Patrick's experience with this skunk was about as fun as your intro in <laughs> Assassin's Creed Origins, uh, uh, which you also wrote about. And I you did. know, two, two stories on the same general topic makes a trend. It does. Uh, so we're two talking about intros two. today. Two in a there
2: day. A, there was a moment yesterday where I was like, uh, you to, to be clear to people who maybe haven't got a chance to see the site uh, in the last couple of days, obviously it's a big release week. Wolfenstein, the new Colossus is out. Mario Odyssey is out. Assassin's Creed Origins is out. Uh, Destiny 2 is out on PC. Speaking of or- uh, speaking of, of introductions that are pretty strong, that game has a pretty strong intro. Um, and, and you and I both independently wrote uh, about... The introductions of the two games that we'd been playing um, that day, or or, you know, in the last couple of days, Um, and and you'd kind of written about how uh, forceful, let's say, the the opening moments of intense the opening (laughs) moments of Wolfenstein the new the new Colossus were, Um, and I wrote about how bad (laughs) the intro to Assassin's Creed Origins was. Um, I mean, it, it, there was a moment a couple of nights ago, Pat, or Patrick, I am me. Oh, and, my God. And <laughs> yeah, you were just like, oh, I forget exactly what you said, but it was basically like, did I miss something? Like, is <laughs> something broken about this intro? Uh, and like, no, it just, it immediately, all right, some background. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, it's the first Assassin's Creed game in a couple of years. They took a year off. It had been a yearly franchise. There were some years where multiple Assassin's Creed games came out uh, on top of big DLC drops for the previous Assassin's Creed. You know, there there were years when there were three or four <laughs> Assassin's Creed products that There'd you be could There'd be like purchase. a remaster, a mobile yes. game, a mobile 3DS games, game, a Vita, Vita game, uh, then like between uh, the expansion... Freedom's Cry.
3: Yeah, Freedom like, Cry. And then if you yeah. like, add all that together, you essentially could be playing... I mean, what they wanted to do, like a lot yes. of games, like have you playing Assassin's Creed all exactly. year long if you chose to.
2: So they, you know, they they take a year off and they say, all right, we're going to double down on this. The, there's a thing, uh, you know, when the when the review uh, coach sh- shows up, often a thing that happens is publishers will send around a review guide, which is like, here are some things you should try out. Here's a, here are the quests that that we'd really love it if you didn't spoil. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, this one was like, we worked on this game for four years, and like. Four years is 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 a long time. It's a long time to work on a single project for sure. But like a lot of games do go for three or four years. Um, but the fact that it's an Assassin's Creed game that had a four year dev cycle <laughs> is a big deal. And so I booted it up and I was like, I'm ready to go. Like take take me away, take me to, to ancient Egypt. Not ancient Egypt. It's not actually ancient Egypt. It's it's um, it's like 37 B- BCE Egypt. There's an older Egypt way before that. The oh, old wow. kingdoms of Egypt go back way into the BCE. Um, But this is like, you know, Cleopatra and and, uh, uh, you know, Ptolemy, Civil War, Egypt. Um, And I'm like, I'm ready to go. And like you hit start and you're chasing a guy down, like, a tomb, and you stab him, and then there's, like, his bodyguard, I guess, shows up, and you're like, I guess I gotta fight this guy, and it very poorly tutorializes the combat, and then you leave, and you run into a guy who's getting jumped, and you're like, ah, it's my friend, I gotta help him, and you, like, fight three people again with, like, the very loose tutorialization. It tutorializes
3: everything, like, it doesn't, like, explain the timing well, it doesn't explain, like, the first thing you do after the first comment encounter is, like, click the stick to, like... You know, do one of those like sort of a like pulse. Air, a pulse <laughs> thing to see where to go next. Like it took me like forty five seconds to find where to go. Like I had to like rub yeah. it. It was, uh, it was.
2: It's uh, really bad. And My then jaw was on get, the floor. Yeah, you get through all of that. There's no setup for the narrative. You get through all of that. You get a very brief flashback. That's like. You stare at the Pharaoh, and you're like, oh, I'll see you later, Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh (laughs) looks back, and he has, like, four guys with masks on, and they look like they're up to no good, and then your guy grimaces. And then you're just in the open world, and they're trying to be very restrained and subtle with their storytelling and like we're gonna start in media res and like and then they come back and fill in the details but for the first like three hours of that game you're doing quests for characters who they don't introduce well in a place where you, it's it seems like you, you're you a big deal but like you haven't been there for a while but they don't really explain why um, and more importantly they just like it doesn't feel it, it for that whole first three hours it felt like I'd missed a big cutscene um, <laughs> like it felt like they'd cut it out and just structured it so that that cut scene would come at the end of that big tutorial section instead of at the beginning. And so it just makes a terrible first impression because it's both over-tutorializing stuff, like it just constantly there's notifications up on your screen about what buttons to press and like what to what you should be doing, but also it never goes into the depth of any of that stuff, which is a big deal because this new Assassin's Creed game has new combat, it has like a new type of itemization, it like it's a it's an action RPG when it comes to like weapons and and equipment, like you're getting new bows that do poison damage versus do fire damage versus have critical hit effects or this bow can fire three shots at once and this one can zoom in um you're getting like all different types of weapons uh, on, on your like your melee side you're getting you know new outfits and stuff like that. there's a lot to do and to dig into you know, there's obviously a big skill tree and it just does, does a garbage job <laughs> of tutorializing almost any of it while also making you feel overburdened by the restrictions of this tutorial mode, or of this early, this kind of early first section. And the thing that's so frustrating is that that game is pretty good. And I can imagine a lot of people bouncing off of the first couple of hours, especially the first couple of, like, minutes. Like, it's uh, – I would bet money that there are hundreds or thousands of people who stopped that game and restarted it because they thought they buttoned through an introduction. Like, that's
3: what I, That's why I messaged you because yes. I, I uh, I've been playing Mario and I was like, oh, like, I got this code for Assassin's Creed. Like, I, I at least want to boot it up and just see, like – What's the intro to this game, even though yes, I'm just going to put this yes. on the back burner until sometime in December? But I've played the most of the Assassin's Creed games. Like, I, I generally like the series and was excited to see them kind of not reboot it, but, like, try and yeah. you know try from a different angle. And, yeah, I, I had my phone on. I was kind of looking over and was just like, the,
2: what is –
3: what is – did I – I thought I legitimately skipped over, like, 20 minutes 100%. or something <laughs> yep. like that.
2: You know, it, and that's the thing. It doesn't feel like you've skipped over five minutes or 30, or 30 seconds. It feels like you've skipped – 20 minutes. It feels like you've skipped an entire sequence.
3: Like, somehow the game said, like, hey, like, do you just want to jump into the action? And I accidentally hit X and was like, yeah, let's jump into
1: the action.
2: <laughs> yep. It's super weird.
3: How much do well, you like,
1: want to bet there was something there? That they it just didn't pass muster, they had to cut it last minute, they reordered things. Like, how much do you want to bet that uh, that's
2: what happened? I could imagine them reordering things. So I've gotten to the point, like, you finish that section and then you get the big hefty or like at the final act of that of that opening moment of the final sequence of the of the opening is like you're kind of running around and getting these flashbacks to when Bayek who's the main character like had this traumatic event happen that that sent him on his path for vengeance um, and that stuff feels like it was supposed to be spread out over the course of this whole opening bit and instead it's all chunked up at the back end hmm. um, and I I it's so hard for me to imagine there was not something else at the top of that game at some point, and someone made a... Just, like, it just... It's so jarring. It's so jarring. I don't understand. I don't know. Maybe, not like, a whole... Maybe they didn't do the whole thing and then, like, move it, but, like, I have to imagine at some point someone said, yeah, oh, we're just going to have to ship it like this.
1: <laughs> just have to know. put it in. Throw it in. Do it up. I mean, speaking of... Good games with kind of crappy intros. I'm feeling a little bit that way about Mario Odyssey. Oh as yeah, well. what's
2: so? I've I, seen, I've literally seen what I saw at E3 of Mario, and yeah. then I saw, I've seen like twenty or thirty minutes uh, other places on the internet. I miss Patrick's stream of I have no idea how that game starts. Can you, can you all talk to me about? Yeah, it?
1: Yeah, I mean, Patrick, you've played a lot more of this than I have. Uh, I've, I've only played a couple hours, and of course, uh, did the intro again last night. It's just like. The reason it's bad isn't that it, uh, you know, is supposed to be some amazing, you know, scene setting, storytelling right. event. Mario games are not. I mean, I suppose Mario RPG games have really cool stories and a little bit more go a little bit more in depth, but that's not really the reason you're playing it. Uh, and it sure is like bananas and and you know colorful, but it, the whole thing is for some reason Bowser wants to marry Peach, so he's in like his little pimp Bowser outfit basically, and. He just has her in his hands, and he's like, oh, all of a sudden, oh, we're going to get married now. And then he, like, throws his hat at at Mario's crotch, and he falls off of the magic ship that he's on, and Peach is damseled again. And also, uh, there's a guy called Cappy, who is a sentient cap, who is the reason why you can sort of, uh, in the actual game, take over powers, take mm-hmm. over, you know, different characters, use their powers, et cetera. It's a, it's a main gameplay mechanic, and it's really cool. Uh, but... Cappy also has a sister who's been damseled and she lives on Peach's head. And I know this sounds insane because it is, but it's just kind of like 30 seconds of like, oh, you know, let's just do the damsel thing. And also none of this makes sense. So pimp Bowser. I don't know. <laughs> it, it just didn't inspire a whole lot of happy emotions. <laughs> Let be clear. Bowser is not actually a pimp. In He's this dressed city. like a pimp. That is That is the pimp Bowser outfit.
2: Okay. Okay. You he's know, like a white official suit. Special Nintendo.
1: Like, uh, yeah, it's like a white suit with a white hat and a whole like he he has coattails. He's I just a
2: Gucci Mane, like Val. Uh, he's just trying to like have a fly wedding, okay? I guess. He has a big All sword, right. he's gonna cut his whole cake with a giant diamond sword. It's gonna be good.
1: <laughs> I suppose. Patrick, you've played much, also, more, Goo-wop. so I know you. I know, know that more not, about neither it.
2: of you follow Gucci Mane, but Guap, which Goop. is one of Gucci Mane's many Goo Guap. Goop. Mm, goop is a different thing. So I just want to goop. say that Goop sounds like Store. a thing that would be sung by a Goomba inside of a modern Mario game, on beat <laughs> with the with the music. So yeah. someone make that Mello, I know you're out there. Mello is, is uh, one of our moderators on on the uh, the Waypoint forums who does amazing remixes. Just make it happen. Just do it. Thank you. So yeah, I I mentioned this
3: briefly in uh, my write up uh, about the game that uh, they they do poke fun. Uh, about I, I'm loath to say sort of like what happens because I think it's kind of interesting sure. and probably worth like writing and commenting about when people have a little more time uh, with the game. Um, but there, there, there's something that happens towards the end of the game uh, and related to the end game that it, it, the game is self-aware of that criticism and of that trope. But I don't know that putting it, you know, 15 hours and at the end necessarily <laughs> yeah. justifies yeah. – like, it would be – if they wanted to subvert it, you need to, like, set up the subversion a little earlier so that yeah. the – like, it, it kind of blindsided me when the subversion happens because was like, oh, like, I just figured they were going to do what they always do, which is that – like, even in Odyssey, there's, like, some, like – Cultural appropriation happening with sure. some of the settings, and right. it come it clearly like comes from a place of like not malice but ignorance and just sort of like we're just going to take a bunch of things and Sombreros!
2: jumble up, which is which right.
3: is what thi- which is what this game is on like a like a core level is just jumbling things up and doing things with them like from the mechanics, from the theming to the the art, right? Like that's there's like that is core to what Odyssey is as a game. So right. I'm not so when you look at it, it's like does that make it like? 100% okay? No. Like but there is a like there is a difference between like malice and um sort of like uh uh ignorance or, like naivety. or Yeah, what? like right like, like there's, this there's is how they, like, like the scale between like Mario Odyssey and South Park, right? Like if we are to take two games right. that, like <laughs> sort of like touch on different things. Like there's there's a difference between like the approaches of those two things. Well, like the like the I don't South want to Park
2: hand side sh- The South Park side shows that they should know better, right? Like, we yes. just had that story go up today. Um, from from one of our free announcers from from uh, Jennifer right Jennifer uncle um, yes, Jennifer. who who wrote about uh the the way that South Park uh, the fractured butthole like deals with actually playing as a trans character which is like oh like a lot of places reported like oh wow it's rad you can pick that you're trans and then like she writes like oh right but then like a lot of characters will continue to misgender you throughout the rest of that game and like there is a that the fact that that happened like not just not just oh, it just defaults to, to he, him, but, like – or, or in, in her case, defaulted to he, him because she was playing as a, as a trans woman. But, like, there, like, are jokes about being a, an effeminate little boy instead of being uh, a, a woman uh, or a girl. And, like, that shows that that team – and, like, the sequence with Mackie where, like, he's walking through what cisgender and transgender mean and blah, 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 and – um. That suggests like, oh, hey, they they know enough to where you can do more than just criticize what is on the paper or what is on, in the game, but also can criticize like, hey, you should have stopped at your workflow at you know, some point in, in the development process and been like, is this the right direction? Whereas with Mario Odyssey, I saw them give their talk about this at E3, like an event at E3 about Odyssey, where they're like, we just went all around the world in real life and had such a good time, and there were sombreros and mariachi bands, and we went, and like like, glowing about, like, all of the places they'd been, and they want to just – we just – we went to New York, and New York has – like, it's big, and there are people <laughs> that, like, it was just like this, uh, like, uh, just completely, like, uh, you know, a bullion, like, just glowing love of the world. And like I do Coming don't... from the right place. Uh, right. Like... Again, I still think.
3: Right. Like, it it could still be, I still can have problems, <laughs> but, <laughs> it, but it to does Mexico come. Mexico
2: Land is like right. a little. Right. It's not actually called that, but, like, it, it kind of like mm, <laughs> it's, okay. it's basically. It's, it's basically. It's the
1: Mexico kingdom. It's yeah. like a
2: collar tug versus, a, like, all right, you fucking see me after class. Right, Stone sure. and Parker, we got to talk. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I, I mean, again, I haven't played any Mario yet, but, but um, uh, does that intro at least set up like there's the other side of this, which is like, does the intro set up the mechanics in an interesting way? Do you leave it going like I cannot wait to play more Mario?
1: There's just a hat and a crotch, like it's, okay. that's all it is. Well, like the I'm intro not here itself, judge. It's, it's short. No, look, if you like hats in your crotch, be, you know, go with God. You know, enjoy. You can have all that you want. It's just. It doesn't really say anything about the game. It's just, there's a hat and he's a person.
2: But there's not like an intro area that goes along with that stuff? There is, there is. And I think that's a lot. You can do cool stuff.
1: That's a lot better. Like it's Hat Town or something. There's some name for it. I'm sure it's, it it, it is Hat Town, okay. No, and that's I, fine. I don't think it is. I was making, it, uh, I was You can jump, you can also jump and do weird crotch stuff on frogs. There's there's I all saw, sorts of stuff that I saw you can that. do. Uh, I, I think it's a really, really cool game. And th- once you're playing it, it's it's pretty strong. It's just that intro, which, you know, to be fair, it's like 30 seconds long. It's, it's not like belaboring the point or anything. It's not trying to, I don't think it's trying right. to be the next well, great intro. It's just, you know. It's it's the damseling that, that just sort of annoys me a little yeah. bit, because Peach was playable in the last Mario, in the last, you know, sort of Mario platformer, last 3D, less world, 3D yeah. platformer. Right. Uh, and so it was Rosalina, and it was like, oh, you know, maybe they're kind of getting a little bit, maybe a tiny bit of the woke gamer, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> showed up for them. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm glad to hear that maybe something is done with it, but... It just it just tweaks me the wrong way when it feels like oh maybe they're a tiny bit aware of things maybe they're they're gonna kind of go forward a little bit with this
2: oh Nintendo what are you gonna what are you gonna do I I this is a very brief aside but I just want to say two things one I'm excited for Animal Crossing uh, Pocket Camper sure Pocket Camp Pocket Camp um, I. Uh, I watched that video, and that's a game I want to play. I saw some people complaining that you could only get fruit from trees once every three hours. And, motherfucker, have you played Animal Crossing? (laughs) You get fruit from trees once a day, my dude. Like, you cannot... Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, second thing is also Nintendo related. I so I I, I played and beat Wolfenstein: uh, The New Colossus. So we'll talk a little bit about that because that has a hell of an intro, also. And, and yeah. I know we want to talk generally about what intros are and, and like what what role they serve. Um, but I, this is like the literal opposite of it, which is after playing Wolfenstein: The New Colossus yesterday, but I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed. i been playing a lot of Mordor or uh, Shadow of War because I'm writing about that. Like, I've been in this like what do I feel about video games um, <laughs> place where even the new Colossus, which I came out of feeling very positive about overall and thinking like, wow, this fucking goes for it in a way I did not expect. I five hours later was just like, yeah, I liked it. Like, mm-hmm. and so late last night at like 1am, I was like, let me boot up breath of the wild and just see, if I'm broken right now, or sure. if that is a genuine, like, I have to, let me, let me, let me calibrate. Let me like take a reading and see where I'm at. You got
1: to calibrate your joy con.
2: Ex- well, exactly. And the joy con being the, the internal joy controller in my life exactly. to see if I'm actually capable of feeling true, you know, extensive joy. Uh, and so I was like, I'll just do like a shrine or a quest that I haven't done before. I looked through my quest and so I had a little small quest. This is like the end of the game, right? Like not post game. Cause there is no post game in Zelda. There's just like, uh, you go up. T- I don't think, no, there's not a post game. There's just like it, you, it, it, if you load your save it just loads you up right before the final boss fight yeah and um you you i was like oh i have this quest i have to go find this lady who got washed down river uh let me do that and so i just start walking the river have you done this one danielle and patrick have you um and i just start walking the river from zoro's domain and it's this long long track right and right away at the top of the the thing they're like she might have wound up at hyrule lake and i was like (laughs) yeah i looked around hyrule lake when i first got this quest i didn't see her anywhere so let me just walk the river And then three hours or two and a half hours disappeared. And I just like did so many little quests I had missed and did a couple of shrines. I found a new stable that I'd never found before. Oh, such a good feeling. Like, just two hours disappeared in a blink, and, like, I just fucking love that game so much, and it has the opposite of, of a really good ending, but in a positive way, or a really good uh, intro, which is, like, the end game of that game is just still so dense with magic and, like, things that you can do, even after you've filled up all of the meters and gotten your your Master Sword and put together, you know, all the heart heart containers or whatever you need. Like, you are you still have so much to do and explore and just, like, sit in that space and feel good. So that is, that is my, like... My favorite non-intro to a game, my favorite outro to a game is <laughs> is uh, Breath of the Wild for sure. Um, but yeah, let me, let's talk about Wolfenstein, which you wrote yeah. about, Danielle. Yes. you want to talk a little bit about what that intro is? And again, sure. our, some light spoilers here for the beginning of that game for for sure coming up. I know, Patrick, you're only halfway through the intro in a sense.
1: <laughs> uh, so, you know, I had a, a pretty amazing experience with it uh, the other day. And it's, it's all on video. Like, all my real reactions are, are there because we streamed it. Rob and I streamed it. Uh, on Wednesday, and, you know, you start up the game, and it ends right where uh, the first game takes off, which I haven't completely finished way, yet. other way
2: around there. It takes uh, off right where the last game ends.
1: Sorry. It no, takes off right where the last game ends. You know, airplanes are hard, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, other yeah. way would have been pretty interesting. Uh, but it, it, it wastes no time going just absolutely for the jugular. Uh, you start with uh, BJ is injured and he's having sort of flashbacks, and it flashes back to his like abusive childhood, where his father is like this racist, abusive, homophobic, anti-Semitic like piece of shit, like absolute piece of shit. Yeah. There's a cutscene where you are hiding as BJ as a as a kid. Uh, you're hiding in a closet. Your mother's trying to protect you, and he he drops the N word like two or three times. He, you know he he calls uh, his mother bad names like he's the mother is Jewish uh, which also is like confirmation that BJ is Jewish I know that was kind of a thing for a while that like oh he'd probably he's a probably a Jewish dude but it wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily super spelled out but now yes yeah. it is like there's nothing I think that's it was, subtle it was made about
3: explicit that. in the, uh, in the new order, but it was yeah. an open question during the earlier Wolfenstein. I believe this is because I remember uh, gotcha. looking into this. Yeah. I believe it was the case that it was imp- it, like just implied that he was had a Jewish heritage in yeah. previous right. Wolfenstein games, but it wasn't because the story wasn't very important. Um, <laughs> sure, and, but then it was made <laughs> but, uh, ex- yeah. you know, sort of explicit. Gotcha. In, well, like, in the Alaska. new
2: order, the new order, like explicitly digs into it as a sense of uh, dramatic and comedic irony of like mm-hmm. these sequences where these Nazis are like, oh what beautiful Aryan features you have. Right, and like, yeah. you right, motherfuckers, right. you bullshit artists, yep. like you <laughs> terrible genociders. Um, it, it's That that stuff was really good, but but the thing that I like about this intro, and we'll, we'll you know, I, I'm going to get into this probably in the piece that I'm trying to write about it today, yeah. and, and that given the time that it is, we'll probably slip until Monday. I'll we'll have to finish it tomorrow. Because <laughs> um, so I still have to finish that other piece. Uh, so this sequence is like, BJ's father is not just like a racist, homophobic, like asshole. He and abusive, an anti-Semitic, is what, and like, abusive. hitting
1: uh, the wife, hitting BJ, uh, yeah,
2: hitting BJ, like doing violence to their dog. Like, um, <sighs> it's shitty. It's shitty. But also is just like mediocre white dude who's run his business into the ground and is bitter oh. about it and looking for an excuse. And the thing that I actually like about it is not that that is like. They're fucking lying. Lo- Anybody who's ever said that that game doesn't have a politics or, like, that game isn't trying to make a political message is... Uh, Pete Hines, like, I know you said you hate Nazis, which is good. I'm glad that you said all that shit. You also said that you're, you're not sending any specific political message. This game has a deep and very <laughs> obvious political message right now, uh, which people will get to as they play through that game. Um, I'm not going to talk about. But one of them, you know, obviously up top is, like, this notion of, like, the the bitter... Like deplorable, uh, quote unquote, who is like something, some uh, a sort of uh, figure, um, a kind of comp- uh, not component. What's the composite figure that we've spoken about in in political reporting and and in political conversation and analysis for the last couple of years with the rise of Trump? This like lower-middle-class, working-class white voter who people theorized were the base of Trump's party or Trump's, you know, voting block, even though if you look at the statistics, what's revealed is, in fact, that lots of middle-class, upper-class, college-educated, 100K-plus-making white folks voted for Trump. Um, What you... So, like, one, they're already digging into that, but the thing that I actually think works here, the thing that I think actually works both here and throughout the game is it is almost easier to position BJ Blaskowitz as a Jewish American hero who takes down the Nazi war machine. What yeah. this game does is here in the intro and then in a few other key parts, key places makes BJ complicit in his whiteness. And it makes it clear that he can't his, the fact that he is Jewish is important and is uh, a compelling part of why he does what he does. Um, but it's, Interesting to make him confront his father as a symbol of his ability to pass in spaces that people of color can't pass in, his maleness as a, as, a, as a character who is who is big and bulky and an action hero and is feared in ways that women are not feared in this game uh, in the same way, despite being just as, as heroic and just as c- committed to Nazi killing as he is. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the game actually digs into that here a lot with his, like, his development of his masculinity as uh, his masculinity and his like anti-Nazi shit, like his, his anti-Nazi like feelings as both responses to his father. Like at, at once in this intro, you see BJ as like, yo, I'm not going to grow up to be like my shitty dad. And also I'm going to, I'm going to just try to knock my shitty dad out. Like I'm going to try my best to beat the shit out of him. And like, That is, uh, throughout the game, is a thing that they do keep coming back to. And it's one of the reasons why I think the intro works is because they don't leave it there. If they had left it there and, like, not come back to it, I think it would have been a huge miss. Um, But because they keep coming back to it, and and not just directly to it, but through other kinds of thematic moments, I think it does a good job. That said, I think you also make a compelling case that maybe, Danielle, that there is something else here that maybe, like, it overdoes it.
1: Yeah, that's what I was struggling with when I was I was writing this piece that that sort of starts out with I already hated this guy. You know, he, once the second right. he drops the N word as once as a mm-hmm. as a white dude, the second he drops the N word, the second he looks like he's going to raise his hand to his wife, all of all of these things, like right. I already hated this guy. And then, you know, the intro does one better by trying to make him uh, like force you to kill the family dog this like beloved sweet you know sweet-faced dog I almost cried just it's <laughs> just like sitting there I put the controller down I was like I'm not shooting Bessie I had this really emotional reaction to it and I was kind of like I didn't I didn't need that to make me hate this person and, and Austin you had a really good point and, and I think it really really helped me sort of find what I was trying to say about the intro is that Maybe it needed to go that over the top because of the world we live in, because somebody could have could have right. conceivably made the the jump to, oh, you know, this guy is an econo- economic anxiety crew. That's what he's part of. Yeah, <laughs> right. He's not really That's racist. All. This isn't
2: he's real just, racism. Right. Right, yeah, right.
1: Exactly. And that is 100 percent. That tracks for me. Absolutely. Like, yeah, you do need to go that hard. today yeah
2: and i to be fair like i i am with you and also like not 100% sure that i buy that argument that even i made that that asked you to kind of open it up do you know what i mean like sometimes as an editor what you want to do is make sure an argument is watertight even though in your gut you're like yeah, no, that guy's a cartoonish villain and real Nazis, like real fascists often are not that. And we don't need them to be car- cartoonish villains. Right, but It I goes will...
1: even further with Frau Engel, which is like, it, it, that's where it truly gets yeah, almost oh, cartoonish. Yeah. Like she, I'm sorry, Patrick, I know this is, <laughs> is going to be spoiler territory for you, but... She was already a Nazi piece of shit. Like, she in the first game, she's already a horrific, abusive, horrible person. In this game, you know, just in the intro, she is shaming the crap out of her daughter. Right. She's being fatphobic. She's being incredibly homophobic. She kills someone and rubs a woman and rubs their decapitated head in her daughter's crotch. You know, just say how disgusting she is for being queer. It is like... So beyond over the top, it's in orbit around Venus. Like it is beyond beyond. Ah, uh, so so that is where maybe it goes like a little too far. I already well, and that's the stuff where already I already wanted her to die. You right, know?
2: that's the stuff where I feel like it does show that this game was being made two, <laughs> two years ago, two and a <laughs> right. half years ago. Where it's like, oh, we need we can have these cartoonish supervillains. Um, and there are other moments like that in this game for sure. sure. <laughs> um, but without getting too deep into it, there are also other moments where like. No, Nazis are people. Like there's – I, I don't want to give any more context, but there's a, there's a, sure. a, an exchange that is just like somebody says, oh, they're monsters and somebody's like, "Nah, they're men and like means it and it's like they're people. Like they're not – it's not that these that, – that Nazis are actually – monsters it's that these are people who have convinced themselves or been convinced or have decided to do terrible inhumane things uh but it's important to remember that they're humans first and like that is not because we should respect them but because we should not uh give them the and this is in line with your argument right give them the protection of of making the monsters instead of people If if someone's a monster then like they're not if someone's a wild dog if you know if if a wild dog raised in the if a wolf kills me like i don't i don't blame the wolf right like this is the the scorpion and the frog right like it's it's in the scorpion's nature to kill the frog um it is not in the nature of of anyone to commit genocide like i i reject wholeheartedly any sort of uh uh kind of um uh leviathan-esque the true state of nature of humanity is to be at war and to kill each other like no it's bullshit the sociology doesn't support it the 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 ethnography doesn't support it. the anthropology doesn't support that notion once you do the research it doesn't hold up that that is the true nature of man and that somehow genocide and tribalism is like the the way forward um or the or or like is some some innate true nature in people and the game does a really good job of pushing back against that and instead trying to tell a story about um, again, I don't want to get too deep, but but about collaboration, about coalition building, um, about there being real difference between people's political views, uh, but also everyone being able to come together and be like, "Yo, fucking Nazi, though." <laughs> um, and and I like I, I think that that intro goes really hard, really fast to try to get that momentum building, but then like. They find their footing, I think. Uh, the, the other half of this intro is, of course, that, like, it's kind of a slow, boring gunfight through a U-boat. Sure. Um, it's my least favorite level in the game. Um, I get that it's an intro. I think it's interesting that he's in a wheelchair for it and that, like, the stuff that happens after that is still him as a disabled character. Yeah. Um, they actually represent that in a mechanical way besides the wheelchair, even like once he's up and about moving, I don't want to spoil like how he gets up and about moving, but he has reduced health. Uh, he has 50 health instead of a hundred. Um, and that's like a thing you live with. Like you don't, you, you live with that for that, for the game. Like you don't, He is not the person he was in Wolfenstein the New Order where he had 100 health. And I think that's like a very small thing because it is a a disability for this character given what you knew about his previous stature. Um, And it doesn't stop you from killing a bunch of Nazis. Uh, And that's kind of interesting, especially because one of my – not beefs, but like with the New Order – The notion of like, oh, he's been in this he's been in this hospital for 17 years and then stands (laughs) up and just beats the shit out of 30 Nazis was like I had a fun time doing it. But like I would have liked them to have at least nodded towards the fact that maybe some of his muscles would have atrophied Uh, this time they do. And that's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I think know. whenever developers make a mechanic out of something like that, uh, it's not the same thing at all, but it does harken back to when Mafia 3 did some some really interesting things, like making something a mechanic that you actually have to deal with right. as the player, not just a fact of the world or a fact that you could kind of right, right, ignore right. as a player. I do think there's a lot of strength in that, and I do really appreciate that about the intro as
2: well. I am curious about what like uh, disabled players think about that intro in general and, and about uh, ability and disability. This game keeps going down this road in terms of um, exploring what bodies mean, uh, what white male bodies mean, especially. And, and like, it is, they do a good job of trying to confront that. I'm the, my own personal jury is still out on how well they confront it, but like, they at least, they lean in, they go for it. They don't just like, they at no point put on kid gloves and say, I don't want to address this thing. So, Patrick, what did you think of this intro?
3: I think one of the, uh, I literally saw this intro and then uh, played, had, like, part of the U-Boat sequence and then turned it off. I'm Gotcha. I have, like, an hour left in South Park, and then... Oh, uh, you're going to uh, push through. I've, like, well, uh, i like, looked back at the games that I've, like, finished three-fourths of, and that list is, like, <laughs> extremely long, and I was like, okay, I'm going to take a breather. I'm taking a couple days off next week, and I have, like, several games on my Switch that I'm, like, three-fourths through, and I was like, okay, I'm going to, like, checkbox some of those, and then... Get, get over to some of these games. But uh, one of the conversations I saw around uh, this intro um, was uh, Holly Green, a critic who wrote a, a story or an article or an observation piece <laughs> for, for Pace Magazine, was she had, like, a very intense personal reaction to the intro because of the way it uses uh, uh, the framing of abuse um, yeah. and in a way that, like, really chilled her to the core because of some personal experiences. And – um, it's good to know that the game, I didn't read her piece cause I didn't want, I was going to read it after I played a little bit of the game cause I wanted to like experience it as much on, on my own. But I think, uh, it's good to hear that the game tries to make good on what it sets up there because this is something that I experienced a lot when I, uh, watch horror movies is that horror movies have, um, traditionally exploited, uh, abuse, especially of a sexual nature in order to shock um, the audience um, because it's largely a predominantly male audience uh, as well that, that watches horror right. and so they like the fact that rape is a trope in horror is like a really bad thing that like they're often using purely for the shock value of the rape not because the rape is any sort of inherent storytelling value it's not you yeah. know yeah, yeah, yeah. and so what I was interested in seeing Holly's response to this and I, I assume lots of other people have uh, now that you know everyone was you know, Hiding in a closet, but still, there are like so many people that have uh, a whole spectrum of of abuse in all sorts of forms that I can imagine them watching this and being like, it's not that games can't do stuff like this, it can't use abusive frameworks, it can't use the same way that a horror movie can use sexual assault as a framework if there's a justification in the storytelling for it to be there beyond just trying to shock you. And so, it's encouraging about what the two of you are saying about where the game goes is that it's not just there. And I would have been surprised by this given the storytelling chops and the ambitions of the original game, even for the stuff that it doesn't necessarily quite land on. yeah, Like it it takes some big swings and I appreciate a game that tries to take this because in order for games to get better at landing the punches, they have to take the swings to begin with. And what I've I've, uh, admired about, the the uh, the new order and what I'm excited about experiencing the new classes is it sounds like they take the swings,
2: my and... dude. They take some of the biggest <laughs> swings I've ever seen in a video game. They take some of the biggest scene uh, swings I've I've seen in in this sort of storytelling. Period. Uh, I I m- many of them hit in a way that i i was i was you know uh, kind of enwrapped by this game i think the game has incredible pacing especially once you get through the u-boat sequence and into the second level like nothing overstays its welcome as far as like gameplay moments or levels for me like everything felt which was my biggest problem with the first game like the well, I first game say,
3: something important i want to say is that i think a lot of people that reviewed yes. uh this game across the board this is just standard like in, in this is how most media outlets work and this is not just video games this is television, this yeah, is yeah, movies yeah. You tend to assign people that played the previous thing because they have context and would enjoy right. another one of those things. Right. Um, I
2: bounced off of the new order yeah. twice. Yeah. Once during this Waypoint 101 series that we theoretically still need to finish. We will finish it. We should. We you should. Um, I, I've, I, you know, obviously, so I, I played through the first like seven or eight chapters of the new order, and then just like couldn't get the time or energy to go back to it. I ended up spoiling myself and watching all of the remaining cutscenes and looking at all the levels and reading about the side story stuff Shater. and all of that. Yeah, uh huh. I don't right. mind. I don't it's mind the. Right. Listen, I'll I'll pick the baby difficulty. I'll tell myself I'm a cheater. I don't give a fuck. I'm trying to spend <laughs> my time like an adult, um. And uh, I did all that and like bounced off that first game again twice. I like, previously tried to play it too, um. And this one just like I didn't want to put it down until the moment I was done. And even then, like there's still side stuff I could go do. Like it actually it has a different sort of structure by the end that lets you hmm. return to some level levels and do some cool side stuff, which is not oh, what you nice. expect it's that's it's awesome. and it's it's new side stuff with new dialogue new character like oh, new npcs good. and stuff um and it has a narrative it has like a narrative frame for why you're doing it too it's really and there's collectibles enough, there
3: if you want. not enough single player shooters find some sort of narrative dude it's really like, fucking let cool you go back that isn't yes. just do another difficulty. Yep, or no, play it
2: again. It is. It is a really cool, like that final act. It opens things up in a really cool way. But, but even throughout that, that the whole game, like just briefly, because I know people are interested. Like, I think it's a, a really strong first-person shooter. Um, it is wild to me to think that like a Call of Duty World War II is going to come out and have to compete with this in terms of single-player narrative, because like it's not even going to try to do the same thing. I know that, but it. <sighs> And I'm still just gathering my thoughts because I'm trying to write about it right now. But it understands the stakes of war and the causes of fascism taking hold um, in a way that was really relieving to me there are sequences in this game where i breathe a sigh of relief because someone said something honest in a video game <laughs> and that is not a thing i anticipated going into it right like it's set in america it's very concerned with the notion of like how would america fall to nazis and it never settles for the simple answer of like it never settles for the simple answer that's all i'll say
0: yeah. um
2: and it yeah. i yeah just play this fucking game um not Absolutely. my favorite of the year like i again five hours after i beat it i was like all right i'm done with it moving on like it'll be in my top 10 probably it'll probably be in the top half of my top 10 if i'm guessing depending on, as i as i go through and and rethink about games like near uh, um but uh but yeah it's it's it is something pretty special and i hope people find the time it's also i beat it in like 12 hours like again lots of side stuff but very well paced lots of cool levels you move from level to level very smoothly and um lots of great characterization also a cool hub uh, all right i'm gonna stop talking about it we'll talk more about it on monday once, once people <laughs> I'm, play I'm really more glad
1: of it. you're you're so excited about it i have to say and, yeah. and as we've been sitting here talking about it we're, we're gonna take a, an ad break in, in just a second but something i've sort of realized and sort of crystallized for myself listening to you talk a bit about it and and also with that context from the holly green piece how much it's conflating abusers with like so the sort of oh run-of-the-mill abuse and you know quote unquote mm-hmm. Abuse that you could find in any domestic setting on any day, uh, conflating that with the kinds of things that can create fascism, can create Nazis, can create all these it's, horrible things in our world. And I, I yeah. like that parallel. It's it not, doesn't it's draw one to one. Saying, it right, doesn't draw the one to one. That. But, it, but does,
2: it does suggest, even just in that intro, yeah. that there is there are people who benefit from fascism. There are people who the world becomes easier for them when you are not just fascism right but like this very specific sense of white christian male dominance um uh you know straight also right like very again there's a lot of
1: bodied right exactly not fat like Um, it literally does go through all of those and then
2: and then a thing that i like about it too is just like the characters on that on your side are also not in agreement about a lot of stuff and it and except for this one big thing which is like yo fuck nazis and (laughs) and it is an easy thing to get behind right now especially um we are 77 days since heather hayer was was killed in charlottesville like i checked out last night um that is not a lot of time since a since a fascist killed a, a protester in our country and even um, less since
1: they tried to last
2: right exactly exactly shooting with the, the exactly. attempted, shooting with the attempted what, shootings yes ago, like j- very yeah. recently exactly okay. like w- w- yeah i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna not just speak the, the notes that i'm trying to write this piece with but but <laughs> sure. my brain is all over the place right now we should take that break that you were talking about all right, yeah
1: we're gonna take a very quick break for an ad and then we'll be right back to interrogate other good interests.
0: The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
1: Okay, cool. So I think- Maybe the ad
2: played there. We don't know. We're doing our best. If the ad didn't didn't play in that break, trust us, we know. We are in contact with the company that does the weird podcast programmatic ad placement. Uh, You do not need to let us know that it- I mean, do let- let us know if it was in the wrong place again, oh, but know yeah, exactly. we, But we apologize <laughs> exactly. But sorry. but know that we know. Yes,
1: we're just sorry for all of it. But we're not sorry. About intros that we like, I, I want to broaden it out to what makes a memorable, good intro for for both of you, and what uh, if you have a couple of? In- I have like three good examples. I was racking my brain for like other really good intros that really I, set a tone, set a place. You're but putting let's me first on the spot talk-
3: here. You gave yourself. I got good guys. I was saying
1: First, we should talk about what makes a memorable intro, or what makes a good intro. What makes something that actually sticks in your brain? What is sticky about a good intro? Um,
2: I you know, I they kind of go in two different directions for me, Danielle. One yeah. is. One is just like a narrative, like boom bap, like a little bit of like a bombastic, like we're (laughs) in it now we're going hard like things are things are really intense uh things are are explosive like lots of like um so i made this tweet i made the tweet that was getting ready to record today's waypoint radio our topic is game introductions what are your standouts love them or hate them 350 replies later it turns out lots of people have feelings about this uh one of the ones that came up a bunch were the saints row intros um or Mm, in general intros like that which were like this isn't what the bulk of the game looks like but they are like Saints Row 3 and 4 especially just like out of the gate high energy it's huge. tone setting it's tone setting exactly and so like tone set is one of the things that they, that, that a lot of people like landed at. Um, another one that is a big tone setting thing or another two are Half-Life's intro which is like this incredible tone setting like yeah. solitude on this train walking through the the opening area of Black Mesa kind of meeting all the scientists like this air of this, this ominous mystery of like what is going to when thing is when things gonna like jump off and and then Mass Effect Two, which yeah. has this like incredible intro, um, very fairly short, but like everything is falling apart, and everything you you're walking through spaces that you know for, that you're familiar with if you played the first game, and it's all wrong. Everything is wrong, and everyone is hurt and falling away. And it's like again, like really good tone setting, a really good tone piece. I uh, totally
1: agree. I, I, for me, it's. A lot of it is, I, I know people have said Last of Us in here, and I think Last of Us is a good example of, like, it's almost, uh, it's just in the way that it's it's taking a whole lot of horror tropes and it's taking a whole lot of, you know, yeah. game dad tropes. So it's not exactly the most original of these that I would have, but I do think it does an amazing job uh, setting a very sad tone, a very helpless tone, and a very just evocative and emotional tone in general. That's, that's one of them for me, for sure. And I know that's that's... It comes up a bunch in uh, in this thread here. But one that actually I, I really think is a fantastic intro um, that it's not bombastic at all, at least not at the beginning. But Alien Isolation starts with a very understated uh, right. kind of moment where the main character, uh, so, if, you know, the, the general gist is that you're playing the daughter of Ripley and all she wants in the world is some closure on whatever the hell happened to her mother. And she's just sort of working on a ship or something. She's a mechanic. She's an engineer, just like her mom. And and one of her Android buddies kind of comes in and and says, you know, there's a hint of knowing what happened to your mom. Do you want to go on this mission? Uh And that sort of starts the whole thing. But the lighting in that scene... The
2: I mean that's tone how, setting too, right? Yeah, like it, it nice. isn't the boombastic the bombastic, boom, boomastic, boom, like bombastic, bombastic, bombastic. Right, boom-bastic baby, fantastic
1: is, is the name of this podcast. I think. <laughs> I think we um,
2: got
1: a boomastic today.
2: It's it's uh, you know it's not that, but it is still that tone setting. Like this is what you're signing up for, right? Like um, someone else mentioned, a uh, wild vulture on Twitter mentioned uh, XCOM enemy enemy unknown, and just like, all right, you start this game, three of your people are dead have fun that's what this game is like you're gonna get through this first mission and you're gonna have one person escape alive one or two and that is it and like yep that's a good that's a good tone set uh in terms of like what you're signing up for um the the other yeah, so, so i oh go, go, go ahead on. no you go ahead
3: well, i was gonna say I, I i also appreciate uh so a lot of people have mentioned like bioshock which has yeah, a famously yeah, yeah. i think really tremendous intro i think actually like both Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite um, have, like, pretty great intros, um, at least, like, to the, the sort of, like, reveal of their cities, but mm-hmm. uh, the reason yeah. I like the Bioshock intro is less... T- I mean, the, the introduction of Rapture is 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 great on its own, but I always can appreciate a game that seamlessly transitions from its cutscene to gameplay in a way right. that is seamless as opposed to being, we're in cutscene,
2: we're in right. gameplay. Well, I- I've been thinking about this a lot because of Wolfenstein, which... I, I, this is like the weirdest side thing, but I've been thinking about. Obviously, been thinking about Irrational. I've been thinking about the immersive Sims. I've been thinking about Wolfenstein as this mid ground between major action game and and tradi- like more traditional immersive sim. Um, uh, which is like, you know, uh, it has things to pick up. There are little secrets that you can explore. They're lovingly crafted levels. But also, you're not like – I mean, I guess you're sneaking through some places. There are some, uh, there are some abilities that you get that let you that you, let you sneak around. And there's no – you're never hacking a computer terminal, right? You're never um, – you're never – there's no non-lethal play <laughs> through the Wolfenstein and Stein, the New Colossus. Uh, there aren't many uh, – there are, are options of how you want to kill Nazis, but you're going to be killing Nazis. But I then started thinking about the Bioshock game. I was kind of thinking about how Bioshock in general and that whole school of game design, um, thinking about people who've spoken about this, like Sean Elliott, who is a big proponent of like never cut away to a cutscene, like, always stay with the main character, always stay with the, with the first-person perspective. You're playing a first-person game and deliver narrative that way. And how Wolfenstein feels like it just doesn't give a fuck about that. And it's like, <laughs> no, actually, we're just going to have cutscenes. Like, you're going to see BJ... You're gonna see the other characters. They're gonna be shot cinematically. We believe in cutscenes, um, and it's weird because I I am with you, Patrick, in that I love when a game. Does that transition from cutscene into main gameplay like seamlessly? Um, even when that's like the camera then pulls down into position and now you're in third person or whatever instead of like the cool cinematic angle. Um, but Wolfenstein has made me think about the value of cutscenes specifically. Like the value of seeing BJ's whole body in certain scenes is so undeniable that like. I'm so glad that the game didn't. It is in first person for some key stuff, like some there is storytelling in, in first person, but it doesn't. It does leave that first person perspective when it's very important, um, and I, I I applaud that that they just said like you know I know a lot of people want to be Half Life. We don't quite want to be Half Life. We want to be the game that lets you see like everything sometimes. So so yeah. just just that note there for sure.
1: And Patrick, um, you mentioned. BioShock Infinite as well, which I actually think is worth talking about uh, and diving into, because I think that intro is much better than the game itself, and and sort of what the intro purports to say, maybe, is better and more poignant than sort of what the what the game ended up saying or what what sort of ended up with the game. So, the very beginning uh, of, of BioShock Infinite, you're in the you're in the tower, whatever. You go up to to Columbia. Uh-huh. And you start uh, you start out in that sort of beautiful world's fair area, the very happy, you know, everything's wonderful. you're hearing the singing, uh, all of this. There's no violence yet, even. Uh, and the first sort of violent act you can you can make in that game, which it almost it almost goes downhill from there, but it, it has to do with uh, an interracial couple who are being heckled. They're put on a stage and you can either throw the it's a choice to throw the baseball at them or throw the baseball at the cop who sort of puts them up there. and it's it's not subtle. In any way, but at least it's not saying, "Well, they're they're both just as bad," you know. It's not uh, it's not going down that road at all. And it is it is really interesting to me how the game has gone from sort of that intro and and what it it seems to be saying, or at least what it seems to be wanting to say, versus what the thesis of that game actually became uh, once you twist yeah. all the way uh,
2: towards <laughs> the end of it. Yeah, it's pretty clear that like everyone here is bad. I, it was one of the things that like fresh not everyone every white person who is living in Colombia and like is happy about the current state of racial politics there is shitty and is complicit um it was interesting because at the time there was this response that came from uh, a lot of white critics who, who were turned off by the game's violence um uh, who wrote things like uh, there's this the piece from Kirk uh, over at, at Kotaku. I love Kirk's writing, but there was this piece that he wrote where he's like, you know, uh, and you can just walk around drinking it in and you're eating all kinds of candy and hot dogs. And there's this amazing carnival tutorial section where you can launch magic at a hidden devil. And there are posters, so many posters, posters everywhere. You read them all and see all these names and brands and colors. And you keep having to just sort of stop and stare. And there are flowers everywhere. And a woman offers to sell you a flower to stick in your lapel. And then there's this huge robot dude standing there and oh, my god it's a barbershop quartet singing the beach boys and yeah. what and like that comes from kirk chris plant wrote a similar piece over at polygon at the time where it's like then it because then it pivots to like then you're stabbing people with your skyhook you're like yeah. you have a claw yeah. that lets you zip around that level and it's like very violent like the opening of this game or, or Bioshock Infinite in general is just like oh I decapitated people with my skyhook I ripped <laughs> into his face um it is like it goes all in on that side of things hours for hours and hours and hours until suddenly you're also doing that to the black revolutionaries <laughs> exactly. who are trying to overturn the the shitty oppressive society um but the thing that, Like at the time, I remember being like, "I don't want to walk around this fucking shitty racist (laughs) utopia. Like, this place sucks. Like, I'm not soaking it in, my guy. Like, I am. I feel terrible because I know if I was there, like, I wouldn't be there. I'd be in. I would be, you know, cleaning the floors or up on a stage about to get pelted by baseballs. I especially because I'm half black. Like, I'm. I am. I am the great fear of white supremacy. A black dude and a white woman got together." Uh oh like and and so like there was this response to me at the time it was like that intro is really good because I cannot wait to fucking blow this place up (laughs) Um, and the big problem with me wasn't and I do think there's a violent to be clear I also did there were moments I was like you like I can't believe how bloody this game just got Um, but that didn't feel like a betrayal to me what felt like a betrayal was when they when they stopped understanding who they should be targeting with with who they thought violence should be targeting or who they thought should be uh, who should be painted as a villain worth that degree of violence? Um, because the, the answer is the the people you know what seceded from America so they could have slaves back, not not yeah. the people who didn't want to be slaves anymore.
1: Yeah, the whole first level of that game, you're killing racist cops. Yep, that's specifically who it is. It's specifically cops in their you know cop outfits who are you know. Basically hurling slurs at times, or, or there's right. language all over the place that's just slurs all the time. So it's like I almost wish we could revisit that part of the game and and take it take slice that out and sort right. of examine that in 2017 and and sort of what that means and what that could right. mean and what it could have been. Um, so, so that's that's worth yeah. Uh,
2: so far we've been talking about these great tone pieces, right? We've talked about Bioshock Infinite, we've talked about Bioshock, which again, Patrick, the thing that it does that you're talking about is like then you get out of the bathosphere and the guy is like pick up the pick up the wrench and then there's a splicer and it's terrifying and really good. Um but what about games that what about the other type of intro, which is like, All right, we're gonna help you get your footing. Here's how you play this this game. What does that well? Does anything jump out of my, out of your mind about about a game like that?
1: Hmm. I'm gonna say pray. <laughs> I th- I think it does do that really well. You're you're learning all about that world sort of right at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's 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 not the real world. It it is like. Putting you in this place, it's making you kind of solve those kind of first-person puzzles. It's it's making you attack right. aliens and hide around and figure out what's going on with the uh, with the mimics and stuff like that. I know, I know, I know. I said pray again, take a drink. I'm not. I, yeah, well, uh, I you know it probably
3: probably a, a game that does sort of like its mechanical intro really well um, is uh, Dark Souls actually. Um, mm-hmm. In which when you when you enter into Dark Souls, it you're in this very tiny contained. Area. It's not very big, especially relative to, to the other like interconnected spots that you find in, in the rest of, of Dark Souls, but uh, the tutorialization that happens in terms of the mechanics of the game are by reading these little things on the ground, which then become very important for the messages that you get from players later on. You learn the very basics of walking around, attacking dying because you can you can die very quickly in those right. games fighting a boss and like in like a 10 minute span it like summarizes like here's what you're going to be doing in some form or another uh a microcosm of like the next 40 hours of this video game like it's it's like go to a space poke around in it die poke a little further find a boss die run to that boss uh and like you figure out the formula really really quickly in a way that i think Is is very elegant when you go back and look at how it does it. It's it's very uh, uh, technical in a way that future like future games aren't as technical. Like they hide that a little bit more, right? Bloodborne and future Dark Souls games, but there's something to that original Dark Souls and the way it presents it that I think actually works, even if it's a little more plain spoken.
2: Totally. Um, One for me is the everything in Metal Gear Solid up until you get to the elevator, basically, which is like, or not even the elevator. Like I guess probably up until. Like the first boss fight. Like the the I think it's Revolver Ocelot downstairs, um, but maybe even earlier than that, maybe I am just talking about that first big room where there's water for you to always go and hide. I don't know if you remember this, but you, you first of all it is a great tone intro because you get like a briefing while you're in like a torpedo being shot in towards a military base, uh, and there's like really good like soundtrack music playing, very good like synthy like uh, like espionage music playing, and you get to this one big room, and the goal is just to get to the elevator at the far side and go up um that's your whole goal and they're like five guards maybe maybe three maybe there's a camera um but the thing that it sets up is the there's a bunch of like it's a loading dock so there's a bunch of like boxes you can hide hide in or around like big big shipping crates um, you have the radar so you can see enemy positioning. Um, but the thing that it gives you is this: like the southern half of the screen or the southern half of the room is just this big pool of water that you can always dive into to reset the clock. You can always hide underwater to start over. And I remember as a kid just trying to get there without being seen at all, fucking up, sprinting back to the other, other side of the screen, diving under the water to hide, resetting the clock, and trying again, and that sort of, like, open space to fuck up and practice it was so helpful for me to get my head around guard patterns and, like, how, how to knock people out quickly without being seen, how to make sure that I'm not, you know, moving too fast, um, and I thought that was always a really cool segment. I think Metal Gear Solid 2 also does this, but the whole tanker intro where it's like you're going to learn how to play this game by the end of this and then we're going to get you into some wild shit with part two um and that's that's those are my those are the two that come to mind for me um even though i'm not like the biggest metal gear fan i think that those two start super well Um, and
1: any others or should we go to a a question let's go to a question all right let's do it so uh this one Uh, i was thinking about saving this for a possible waypoint 101 but i think it's relevant now uh, because this is a person who has been going to some of these protests and asked uh, remain anonymous but i I think they have some really good thoughts here so i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and uh, ask their question slash uh, sort of read their their take here so uh, this person writes in since y'all have announced the waypoint 101 series while i was doing the new order i finished it twice the game was one I passed up on when it first came out for many of the same reasons as you all, especially since at the time I was sick of killing Nazis in media as I felt they were played out. Also, I'm sorry. I'm saying y- you all instead of y'all just because I, you know, my accent doesn't do y'all that well. But fine, I'll do y'all. Sorry, it Y'all's good. It was a, y'all's
2: y'all's good. Y'all's it was a y'all. y'all.
1: It was a y'all. Let's go with it. The thing that stuck out to me uh, the most uh, about the first game is how well it actually mirrors how I I view the left growing up in America. The resistance is broken and fighting for a vision of the world. The ruling class is deemed not only a perversion, but completely impossible. The Empire has won, and it's up to the rest of us to find out how to survive within it. The game doesn't even end in a hopeful way, uh, just as the left was fairly hopeless in 2014. This brings me to the second game. Uh, Which, If it is half as promising as it looks, then I am 100% on board. A little backstory on myself, I am a primarily self-taught Tennessee-born and raised Marxist. When the trailer played and there was a character uh, one second talking about drinking whiskey, in the next breath talking about the imperialist American army and the proletariat, I found one of the first video game characters that spoke to me on a base level. Uh, Made even better when I found out he too was from Tennessee. Well, I know the game will mirror the horror of the rise of fascism in America, arguably too well, since I am holding off on buying the game until after Saturday, a day I will sp- I will spend actually fighting off Nazis from where my parents met and not far from where I grew up. I really hope the new games have some moments of hope to mirror the real left and social uh, politics entering America again.
2: That totally, totally does. Like I... <sighs> I, you know, two of the main characters of this game, one of them is a, is, like, basically a Black Panther, is, like, a militant Black activist. Another is an open Marxist, like, socialist. Like, those things are not played as, they're not played for laughs, and they're also not downplayed as being small components of their, of who they are as people, um, or as being easily uh, in line with what BJ is. Like, BJ has hard conversations with these characters who have lots of reasons not to trust him. Like BJ Blazkowicz is a fucking marine. He's he's part of the establishment and yeah, he wants to kill some Nazis, but like where were you when we were fucking marching for civil rights? Uh nowhere. And that is like a thing the game contends with. Um it's I there's so much I want to talk about this game. I want to have a spoiler <laughs> cast about this game so fucking bad because whew. Um so yeah, I hope I hope that that they enjoy this game when it comes out. Absolutely. or when they when they get when they get back from from actually protesting
1: uh, also be safe and uh, yeah. help others uh, to mm-hmm. be safe as well while you're out there but uh, i salute you in your uh, in your endeavors there um so another question uh which ties into something else uh controversial from uh, the last week or so uh somebody uh wrote in i'm not sure if they wanted to stay anonymous so i will just not read their name here uh they wrote in and said hello When you find and purchase a video game that is new to you, there's a risk of supporting a game that is antithetical to your own beliefs or philosophies. I'm thinking of friends who played the new Life is Strange and only later learning of the studio scabbing or Finding JonTron featured in A Hat in Time. Avoiding potential, uh, quote, problematic faves seems like it could be done with a quick Google search. However, that relies on the luck of the algorithm, (sighs) TM. (laughs) Nice, that was uh, all caps, uh, the algorithm. Deciding to show the correct kind of controversy. I find this uh, frustrating when trying to read more about leftist uh, politics, worried that an author might actually be a TERF, uh, which, by the way, I'll, I'll do a little sidebar here, which uh-huh. means uh, trans, exclusionary, radical feminists, basically uh, feminists who, who claim to be feminists, with, uh, basically throwing trans women under the bus. Uh, they suck, and I am happy to <laughs> put my name on they suck. Uh, True. Okay. Back to the letter. Back to the letter. When the internet only tells me the controversy is their alignment towards Marxism. Building a network of trusted friends and publications can help, but it will fail when you're trying to reach out in new interests and you don't yet have that network developed. How do you decide which content is, uh, quote, safe to support before diving in? okay
2: yeah i i you know i think i think doing that research helps a lot right like um having a network of people who are also interested in that space um and who are aware of, of the same sorts of kind of political interests that you have uh, is important um because that can help you like know where you're about to send your money like i didn't know shit about Jontron being in that game until friends of mine were like yo Jontron's in this game uh, also weird full disclosure there's also like two friends at the table references in, in a hat in time so like <laughs> put that out there but, like i've played that game i'm not gonna play that game um like it sucks that they left john tron in and sucks more that like some of the stuff that i've heard about the development history of that game seems seems rough i don't know enough to speak de- definitively on it but like it, it, it seems like it was a mess uh, in in ways that left a lot of people um uh in, in negative positions um But, like, doing that research is the best thing that you can do, and and you're going to miss sometimes. Like, it happens. And the key is being vigilant and and continuing to be vigilant even after you fuck up. Um, And also to go out of your way to support stuff that you know comes from people you want to support, right? Like, I play a lot of AAA video games. It's our job. And lots of people play AAA video games. It's like one of the weird distinguishing factors, I think, about gaming compared to other um, media right now is that when I ask my independent musician friends like what are their favorite albums of the year I tend to have heard about two or three of their top 10 you know uh, and the rest are like I've never heard of that that sounds dope I'll go listen to that when I ask my independent game developer development friends like what what are you playing these days they're like oh wolfenstein and dark souls and <laughs> and like other big budget AAA. oh I'm you know I'm can't wait to play Mario everyone wants to play Mario that's like If all of your, like, hipster indie music friends all wanted to listen to the new Taylor Swift, like, that is what it is. Like, Mario is as poppy as pop games get, Um, but it's also important and is developing new ideas, and, like, in in terms of gameplay mechanics, and AAA games are different in that way for at least this moment, so so I have to cover, and I want to cover big AAA games, but also it is it is the case that i do my best to go outside of that play experience and go play things like i mentioned uh dijana recently by jack jack king spooner jack spooner king jack hmm mm. <laughs> i think king spooner uh yeah jack jack king spooner which is like oh this is a small game that i would have totally missed if all i did was go and look at whatever the hottest new releases were on steam so like combination of being vigilant doing that googling talking to friends and then also going out of your way to find stuff from small developers and and small creators who you who you know are really cool who are working on cool stuff who are politically aware or who are you know giving part of their proceeds to a cause that you that you care about like i think about something again from
1: marginalized populations totally well
2: totally yeah totally um it it it's something out there. What's really funny is when the opposite happens. I don't know if you've seen any <laughs> of this, but like when Nazis really like uh like um what's Scott Benson and Co's uh
1: Oh Night in the Woods Night in
2: the Woods when you just see someone who is like super alt right but they have May from Night in the Woods as their avatar on Twitter and it's like Did you play that game? That game that game says no to you. Uh,
1: that game doesn't like you, dude. Oh,
2: uh, it's wild. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Yeah, what about what good. about you guys? Like, what do you think, or, or you two? What do you what do you think about? Um, like, do you do any of that research, or is that just something that comes up as you play something?
1: Well, this has been something I've I actually tackled a little bit this week. I, I uh, and I also played a hat in time before I sort of you know fully. <sighs> It's not that I wasn't aware on some level that I I remember there was some controversy about the game. But I, you know, got the code and I played it and was delighted by it. And then, you know, sort of the reaction to the piece I wrote was like, oh, hey, uh, JonTron's in this game. And uh, you have that moment of like, well, fuck. And and I also (laughs) clearly had that moment of, oh, fuck, this week when I played the new Life is Strange episode. uh, It's in Before the Storm. I forget exactly. But it's the episode that just came out over the last week. And really loved it, and really enjoyed it, and had a wonderful time with it, and then kind of had that moment of, oh fuck, this was definitely made with scab labor. Like they definitely crossed union lines uh, right, to to right. hire another actress uh, to portray Chloe. And it and it not only is a shitty thing to do for, you know, uh, actual reason. You know, the real reason it sucks is because they cross labor lines. It also didn't help the game at all. Right, it's not as good right. of a performance. You know, that's so on every level. That's it's not a great thing. Uh, so I think there's. A lot to struggle with there. I I also know I'm going to get kicked out of this room any second now. So uh,
2: Let me just shit talk one intro really quick, which came up a lot. Uh, Skyrim. Skyrim has a shitty intro. That game is great. That intro is terrible. (laughs) That's all I got.
1: All right, that's fair. That's fair. And we can always, uh, obviously, continue conversations. You'll see all sorts of amazing stuff that we have. On waypoint.vice.com, you should you should read our website. It's a good thing to do, especially if you if you like us at all. If you don't, I guess don't. <laughs> you know, I think you should read it. Uh, and of course you can always send questions to gaming at vice.com with the subject question. And as always, we've got shout-outs to Bowen for letting us use his track, Miss You, off of the EP Pale Machine. Austin, where can we find you?
2: Austin underscore walker over on Twitter.
1: Austin. Awesome. Patrick, where can we find you?
2: Find me at Patrick Clipping
1: fantastic of course you can follow our stuff waypoint on twitter facebook we are waypoint vice and on youtube we are waypoint vice and we are actually putting up a ton of videos we have natalie back she's doing a great job and i'm very very happy about it so thank you all so much for listening to our friday show as always i want you to be good and be good at it
2: peace